welcome to the Tres Vista Talk podcast, where we engage with senior asset managers and advisors across a broad range of topics. Tres Vista is the leading outsourcing firm for the financial services industry, supporting over 1,000 clients with over 10 trillion in assets under management. Hello, everyone. This is Abhilash Jaykumar, co-founder and managing director of Tres Vista. Today on Tres Vista Talk, I have the pleasure of speaking with Adam Averka, partner at New Spring Capital. New Spring is one of the leading middle market private equity firms with strategies covering the spectrum from growth equity, control buyouts, mezzanine debt, with over $2 billion under management. Adam, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Before we talk about you know, what you're doing with New Spring, um, it'd be great to maybe go backwards a little bit and talk about your journey. You know, I know you ran cross-country for University of Cincinnati. You know, I ran cross-country in high school. And when I showed up to university, realized I was nowhere near that level to compete there. So I took the easy way out and played rugby. What was it like running distance at a university level? It was, um, it was needless to say, intense. Uh, two days, uh, sometimes totaling up to 13, 15 miles a day. Uh, that, you know, in combination with, you know, trying to have a social life and doing well at school. It wasn't easy, but you know, it, it was a, actually probably a, a measured way to start college with, uh, with, with discipline. But the you know, interesting thing about cross country, you know, I, you know, people ask me what sports did I play? What did I play in college? Um, and you know, some people will knock it as it's, you know, it's not a team sport as, as soccer, football, basketball is, but it actually is very much a team sport. What I loved about it is every week after your race, beating yourself up to, you know, why, why, why did I do this better, that better? But it, it comes down to your personal best and, and how can you strive to, to do better every week. But your team relies on you just as much as any, any other sport. And so it, it's, you know, for me, it was, it was um, a, a mentally stimulating sport that, uh, again, kept me in shape and kept me, kept me focused. Yeah, well, you know, the idea of personal best, you know, term PR. If you're a runner, you know what PR means, your personal record. But it's also a concept that if you start thinking about your competition in terms of your personal best, it changes the outlook you have towards any task you might apply yourself to. Can you maybe talk about how that concept of personal best is extended for you throughout your life and career? Yeah, look, at I uh, I think it's a, yeah, it's a terrific question. We You, you could Fast, you could you could accelerate that topic um, to whether it's trying to find a deal um, or an investor, and you know it's it's easy to beat yourself up about you know maybe I should have said something differently or you know made a better choice about um, whether I did or didn't do an investment. And you know again, look, it's it's a journey. Um, I think year after year you get you get smarter, and there's, there's probably some parallel to that on the cross country course of um, you know, getting sleep the night before, a better diet. But, you know, I, I think opportunity comes when, you know, you're working really hard and um, you just have a lot of grit and determination and not too dissimilar to, to like a pipeline in private equity in that, um, you know, you, you talk to a lot of people, you look at a lot of deals and you're going to have interesting selection as, as to the best opportunities out there. So ho- hopefully that made some sense, but um, some parallels there. If there was one takeaway, it would probably be the, the grit of it all. You just have to keep working hard. Nothing comes without a lot of hard work. Moving beyond, you know, 
your your career as an athlete. You know, you had another interesting experience before you started your professional journey. I was working with a billionaire, right? Um, can you maybe share that story with us and what that experience was about for you? Yeah, absolutely. So it was, you know, the, the summer of probably, I think, 1997. And I had the opportunity to either go work at the pool shack, uh, flipping grilled cheeses or um, learn about taxes. And so I went to go work for an insurance company uh, as an 18 year old. And uh, this was going into my first year of college. And again, I had reached out to career development just for internships opportunities as again, an incoming freshman. And I jumped on this. I had no idea probably um, what it meant or, you know, how an insurance company made money, but I learned a lot that summer. Um, that uh, head of that, that group, the tax group at this insurance company had, um, he called me probably, it was, it was six months into maybe my freshman year and said, look, there's this opportunity to work for uh, chairman, CEO, founder of, of our firm. And I thought about it for probably five minutes I knew what it entailed. It would be nights and weekends and I'd be doing interesting projects and you know, it, it would kind of take a few chapters out of my college experience. But, uh, you know, I, I knew it was something I, I wanted to do and needed to do something. Experiences of working for a billionaire don't land on your desk every, every day, clearly. So I jumped on that experience and it was uh, something that was just a phenomenal experience. You know, speaking to again, whether it's a politician or um, you know heads of sports teams, you name it. I, I uh, as a 19-year-old had a lot of experiences others others probably would never have, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, you mentioned earlier the idea about having confidence in what you're doing. Um, some people just have confidence, whether it's warranted or not. And for a lot of people, confidence comes from actual exposure and experience and repetition. You know, getting that type of exposure. At 19, what did that do for your confidence? Yeah, it, it 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 did something for confidence. It did also something for courage, which I think there's a difference between those two terms. Um, yeah, talking to a billionaire, you know, almost every day for a couple of years during college, you know, on the confidence side, look, it I I would have hoped it taught me, you know, that you know I need to be articulate and be clear with my messaging, whether it's a question he asked me or a question I had for him, that, that confidence was, you know, felt almost more about, you know, delivery and, and, and how I came off with my communication. Uh, the confidence or the, the courage piece, I think was, was different, but it's a parallel term that I think can often be interchanged or even confused. Um, I, I had no choice when he asked to get, again, CEO of a major corporation, many we would know today, uh, or a very senior politician in the U.S. government to get them on the phone and to sometimes answer questions and interact with them as a 19-year-old, um, the courage had to be there or I wouldn't have that job. So the marriage of those two, again, slightly different, slightly interchangeable terms, um, you know, has taught me a lot in my career. But it, it taught me that, look, CEOs of um, – multi-million billion dollar corporations are, are humans and um, you know that, that you can talk to them and that they are there to pick up the phone. So that, that parallel has taught me a lot 
as, uh, as we're looking to invest in companies and get a hold of CEOs. Maybe you can switch gears now, talk a little bit about Newspring. You've been with Newspring for 15 years. It's one of the leading middle market private equity firms with over 2 billion under management. Um, you know, just being there for 15 years, I don't, you know, you don't hear people too often or as long as you as having that type of commitment. So maybe it ties to you having been a cross country runner and thinking about the long distance. But what was your story of what Newspring was when you joined? how you decided to join it, and how you grew with the organization. So I joined Newspring in 2006. You know, at the time, our, our firm was much smaller. Uh, we were, you know, about six, seven years in business, and there were only about 15 people. Me, one other analyst, and uh, several partners, again, leading three strategies. I, I joined Newspring because I was intrigued that we were, this was a multi-strategy firm. And, um, gave me optionality as, as someone who is just intellectually curious to learn about different investment strategies and different type of businesses that you know, I could really have the opportunity to learn the entire cap structure and, and different types of deals that exist in lower middle market private equity. So for us, again, we, we started with a single focused growth equity firm, uh, but grew into, we were healthcare strategy or growth equity tech strategy, uh, mezzanine debt fund, a buyout strategy. We just recently launched a franchise strategy, all, fo all focused on franchisors. But um, as as I joined, I knew that was something that was unique. And what we've built here now, 21 years in business, um, is a company. We, we have around 60 people. And I've seen, again, us grow from what felt like a, a small, um, you know, 15 person shop to, again, now we have a head of talent. We, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of the verticals you would think that, uh, you know, that do exist within, you know, businesses that we're going to fund. So, you know, we get to, I get an inside look of uh, essentially what felt like a kind of a startup at the time. We were a few years into it at that point to, again, now, now a growing business that, you know, isn't slowing down. Uh, happy to talk about that, yeah. But last year we we had our record year in terms of new deals and and capital deployed. But uh, you know, my journey again started 15 years ago with that, and uh, I still feel like I'm in the third inning of it because I, 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 as you said, I know it's a long game, and there's there's a lot a lot further we're gonna go. You know, for me, when I ran cross country, you know where the finish line is. But it makes it much more tangible to see the runner ahead of you, right? And make that the milestone and chase down that person. And then as soon as you chase them down, you set the next milestone. You've seen a lot of milestones with New Spring over the last 15 years. Where do you see the business going from here over the next 10, 15 years? What are the next milestones you hope to chase down? Sure. Uh, we recently launched our, as I mentioned, our franchise strategy. Um, we, as of the date of this podcast, we've We've closed on on two deals, uh, and again, we we think there's tremendous opportunity uh, in in that market in particular to uh, help growing brands uh, go from a hundred units to you know 500, whatever that next chapter. Uh, that that's the latest of of the milestones, but I envision you know us uh, you know building something pretty pretty large there. Um, you know, in, in terms of our current funds. And we're, some of them are on a, their, their fifth, uh, others are still on their first and their second. So we have, we have almost five different divisions or companies growing within NewSpring. So I think, you know, those milestones uh, for us are going to be continued results uh, for, for our, our investors. 
And, you know, those will be, again, uh, hopefully incremental improvements and we get smarter uh, together as a team. And whether that's finding investments, knowing each other's style, um, you know, adding value to our portfolio company, finding the best way to monetize them, all, the, all of those things come together over time. And, and we've had this terrific team that's had this history of working together. So we're, we're, uh, we have the benefit of, of that history. So I, I would say, you know, our milestones are, again, a bit of it are, is, is incremental improvement, but then every so often, like our franchise strategy, we'll find a pocket in the market that has what we think um, underserved opportunity, both for the entrepreneurs and our investors to, to, to really get some interesting deals done. So there, there, there certainly, I'm guessing, will be a, a sixth strategy um, and on and on. So we, we, we see us, we're still pretty early, even though it's 21 years, there's, there's a lot more we know we can do. You, you said something interesting that you've built a business here. And I find that interesting because for a lot of folks, when they launch a private equity firm, they never think of it as a business that will ever have any equity value, right? A private equity firm can generate really good income if you're good at what you do. But often when the you know senior partners decide to retire, the firm kind of unwinds, maybe junior partners pick up the mantle or maybe they start a new you know, brand with taking some of the LPs. But most never cross that threshold of that 15, 20 person income generating entity. What had to happen for you guys to make that shift to say, we are going to be a business that has real value and that is scalable? I and asked in the context of in this last year, I think a lot of folks who, you know, maybe were underwater with carry, whatever, didn't raise funds, but they launched new firms. So I see a lot of new firms coming to market. And I pose this question to people. Are you trying to create income or are you trying to create equity value? For a lot of them, they never thought about that question. You've seen both sides of that equation of private equity, where you were and where you are now. But maybe you can share your thoughts on that evolution and what it means. Yeah, absolutely. So for uh, for for New Spring, I would say, you know, one of your specific questions there is what did we have to believe? And this was back to our founder's vision, again, started in 1999, was uh, with if we if we have if we do have today multiple lower middle market strategies that um, you know want to provide resources and value add to to the CEOs and companies in which we invest, if we want that to work, um, we're going to need the resources of you know five billion dollar fund. And the best way to do that, staying small and nimble at the lower end of the middle market with, again, pretty targeted funds, 20 companies in a portfolio in many cases, um, the way we would do that is through a shared resource model. And so that, that shared resource model, um, you know, we, we, we would have to believe that there's common calling points across investors, across uh, service firms that might be an introduction to to the companies we're trying to connect with, you know, such as an accounting firm, a law firm. Uh, so there would have to be certain synergies that we could all benefit from, whether that's, again, finding a deal, finding investor, um, knowing best practices in value add uh, for the companies. We had to believe that, you know, having too many different things or too many different funds at different ends of the market, you know, that wouldn't work. But knowing that there were some uh, commonalities in our approach in, in that one plus one could equal three. Uh, that, that's what we had to believe. And, and that leverage uh, was there when we had three funds in 99. And it's definitely there when we have five strategies in 2021. So uh, that was a big thing we had to believe. We also had to believe that, again, that there was uh, 
you know, this end of the market, you know, again, most of our companies are somewhere between 10 million and, you know, a hundred million when we invest, you know, we, we have to believe that that, that end of the market is fragmented. Uh, that end of the market is um, inefficient. You know, we're not plugging techers into a, in a trading system on a trading desk. We, we have to hustle and figure out how to get in front of the CEOs we want. We have to figure out how to use the right data to even determine who to reach out to based on, um, you know, whether it's signals from, you know, LinkedIn or, or awards the companies have won. We need to, um, we need to really focus our time and energy. Um, so there, there's, there's a lot to it, but, you know, all those things um, together, we, we, we've believed and we've seen, you know, make us stronger together. Now, you, you mentioned you guys have many strategies simultaneously, and you, like last year was a record year for you guys in terms of deal flow and capital deployed, which is interesting considering what the last year was. Um, you know, how has having those multiple strategies correlated to being able to be successful uh, in this type of environment? Great question. Starting in March of last year, it was uncertain for a lot of us. I, I might not have predicted, I wouldn't have predicted it would have been a record year. But as as the you know pandemic proceeded and we were months into uh, the the new norm, if we will, we we I I would say we we, we pivoted, we uh, you know regrouped as a team and determined uh, we needed to play offense in addition to defense. So, you know, look, deal flow for, for many stopped, um, you know, took, you know, came to a pretty, pretty grinding halt for, for a few months there. But again, we, we knew there were opportunities there. Um, many firms that don't have a multi-strategy approach uh, or enough resources. And, and you guys probably know there's a lot out there. There's a lot of firms that might have five, 10 people. Um, Last year was was a time that stressed um, you know the the resources of all of these organizations, which of course that's where you guys come in and help not only us but smaller firms in a really big way. Um, it comes down to resources, private equity, uh, you know, alternatives. We we're we're still a services firm. We're driven by by people um, with technology, uh, but you know we we at the end of the day all had to figure out uh, what how this was going to impact our current portfolio, uh, budgets for the next year. And, you know, one, once we felt like we had a pretty good understanding of how that, uh, you know, of our, of our game plan and managing and looking at cash flow forecasts, again, we could start to play offense. And why we were able to play that offense is because we have uh, resources across several strategies here who could, again, pitch in with a portfolio company, but again, also, uh, on the offense side, you know, look for for the interesting company that that jive with our themes. And again, uh, you guys you guys were helpful in that as well, um, uh, helping us think through some of the um, you know some of the research on on thesis work or what what might you know whatever that might have been. Um, you know, the resource piece for us uh, really benefited our our ability to put all of this ca- capital work in a record year last year. So. Also, um, again, shared resources across our, our strategies. We, you know, deal flow is the lifeblood of our business. So everybody, the day 
they start here are you know, is 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 trained to you know be looking for a deal. That's just in 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 our blood. Um, so what will happen um, when we least expect it is a deal will come in, let's say to our growth equity strategy that probably should be more of a mes deal or a healthcare deal. There's a cross pollinization effect of uh, you know. Of, of deal flow across across the firm, we have the collective networks of 60 people, many people here at New Spring who have been working together for you know decades. Um, the, the network effect of of deal flow in, in a large firm like this can help us um, again, whether the deal lands on our desk or or if it's a in a company we were trying to get into, that goes that goes a long way. Um, lastly. How how are we uh, able to successfully put all this capital work? You know, there's a lot of processes you probably know with uh, taking a deal from coming into the door to you know wire uh, in, um, to, to wiring the deal to you know so that's that's everything in between from the diligence to uh, issuing a term sheet, signing an LOI, legal, you name it. But there's something to be said with the team, you know, about a team working together for so many years. There's actually been studies on this, uh, whether it's a surgeon who's worked with his operating team for, for years. Uh, if you know your team's style, um, you know, that goes a long way within private equity. Just that throughput of making sure your funnel is wide, moving deals, um, knowing where to focus on your time. Um, with, without a, a team that knows, um, knows how to work together well, that, that, that can suffer. You know, New Spring also has a foundation. With the widespread social unrest that's been induced by COVID-19, you guys have taken on a lot of initiatives to support the community. Can you share one of those initiatives? Absolutely. One organization I'm involved in, um, it's it's uh, nationwide, but it's called NIFTE, N-F-T-E. And NIFTE, I actually sought this organization out because I saw uh, the opportunity for um, underserved youth in, in again, sometimes very, very poor communities uh, where there was a need to actually teach entrepreneurship uh, within these communities, within a high school setting. And I sought that out in, ter- in terms of an organization that, you know, I thought um, along with the theme themes you mentioned could go a long way. Um, so, you know, for us, finding organizations like Nifty uh, where we really support their cause, and again, we can we can help drive uh, entrepreneurs entrepreneur um, entrepreneurism across uh, across various communities in the U.S. We thought that was that was pretty relevant for us. It's a great way to use the skills you have in your for-profit enterprises and translating that into a not-for-profit social cause. Absolutely. I guess maybe to close out, it would be great to just get your thoughts on where. Is trending as far as business development, deal origination, and what you see for the rest of this year. Yes, where, where I see you know the markets going and the outlook for the next year for for us, outlook is still strong. The exit environment um, is stronger than it's it's ever been. Um, on the new deal side, we still see plenty of, of pockets uh, which uh, we, we think have attractive investment opportunities at, at this end of the lower end of the middle market. Um, you know, those pockets exist, what exist, whether they're in a new industry um, or a new idea for, you know, a buy and build 
um, more in the traditional private equity space. Th those pockets exist, and that's why for us it's so important to always be forward thinking in in our research. Um, and again, you guys have been terrific uh, on on uh, from that perspective, obviously. So. Um, you know, looking forward, uh, keeping our networks um, wide, uh, keeping our funnel wide, and uh, you know, all, all that has come together for us in in, in an equation that we think works. But um, you know, again, back to some of the analogies of cross country, you know, we we never get comfortable with uh, you know how we do things here internally or how we're finding a deal, whether that's using data or. Uh, looking for a new source of data to, to help find the outliers of companies who can uh, stand above the rest or expanding our network uh, to actually get into those companies. We, we, we're, we're, we're grit, uh, we're full of grit and uh, determination. And, you know, for that reason together, if we keep doing what we're doing, but we're, we're always forward thinking in terms of, you know, thesis areas, research, how we can be better as a firm, all of those factors together, we think will help us continue to succeed and make uh, produce great returns for our investors. Wonderful. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Congratulations on the last 15 years of growth and the last year of tremendous success against a challenging backdrop. We're excited to be your partners and be a part of the continued growth story of you and you spring. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. With that, we come to the end of this episode of the Dresser Star Talk podcast. Thank you to our listeners and we would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave a review wherever you access podcasts. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter to stay updated on additional content. To know more about how we support our clients on due diligence, business development, portfolio management, fund administration, data analytics and other areas, feel free to visit our website and reach out to us at www.tresvista.com. Any information, opinions and recommendations presented by our speakers are their own and do not represent the views of their firms or Tres Vista and should not be constituted as investment advice.